Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So where are the calls? Where are the calls to oust Mike Johnson as House Speaker? I mean, I just, I I don't want to spike the football here, but I'm going to, I guess, a little bit. In terms of the uh, little caper that Matt Gates initiated against Kevin McCarthy. And it's not, uh, again, it's not some sort of dying on the hill for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, but it is a recognition of what that episode was about. Because what happened yesterday, the House passed a two-step CR that is indistinguishable from what McCarthy did with the help of Democrats, which is indistinguishable from McCarthy did right. with the opposition of the Freedom Caucus, which is indistinguishable from the dynamics under McCarthy. And I'm not hearing Matt Gates or any of those who initiated the deposing of McCarthy saying anything about it, at least not saying that Mike Johnson should be removed as speaker. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey dot pro text line. The House Freedom Caucus opposed the CRs for lack of spending reductions and money for the border. Sound familiar? As the Wall Street Journal opined, uh, Johnson's bill varies little in substance from the one that cost McCarthy his job. Mm-hmm. Extends some funding to January nineteenth, some to February two. Eliminates the Senate's ability to jam through another year-end omnibus, which is how they declared victory with this modest proposal. And gives House GOP negotiators more time to leverage gains in the appropriations conferences. So, as we discussed, when that occurred, you know, several weeks back now, you have to recognize what the limitations are. And the opportunity was to challenge to in from a unified place, challenge the American people. If you're serious, you have to send more and better, more conservatives and better representatives in the Senate in particular. But obviously, there's some House Republicans that are big spenders, too. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us on our text line, 64636, but you have to type in DA first, then a quick comment. So, I mean, the point here is um, not to concede principles, but to concede political realities. Figure out how best to advance your flag on the landscape upon which you're compelled to operate. 
Is Gates going to try to get out uh, Mr. Johnson as Speaker of the House now because of yesterday? Well, obviously not. Mm. He's not said anything. I know. Well. That's the point. He's a squirrely little fella. The change reflect. Uh, by the way, um, where what are we talking about, too? I know on the uh, cooling off, we'll talk to Yuri about this a little bit later in the show, but I know on the, the cooling off of inflation, there was a great run-up in the market yesterday, which uh, allows everyone to hurry past the uh, Moody's uh, degrading of the federal, of, of the U.S. Uh, economic outlook from stable to negative. The uh, change reflected uh, Moody's belief that downside risks to the nation's fiscal strength have increased and may no longer be uh, be fully offset by the sovereign's unique credit strengths. Um, that's a fancy way of saying they're looking at interest payments on the national debt that will c- consume a quarter of federal tax revenue in the next decade, uh, which is up from just 9% last year. So you're going to see our interest payments on the debt, barring corrective action, nearly triple in the next 10 years. So Moody's downgraded. There was a slight reaction, but inflation cooled, so everything's right with the world again, at least according to the markets. And um, big spending politicians in inside the Beltway. This is an important lesson because there's some challenges for there's some other challenges for conservatives when it comes to operating on the landscape as it actually exists and figuring out how to do more than just wave your flag, like advance it. And it's what we talked about after last week, Tuesday's election results, which is the conversation about messaging life, messaging on abortion. And uh, the distinctions that need to be made between what is philosophically and, in that case, spiritually righteous and what you can accomplish and where you can accomplish it. And can you have peaceful coexistence between the stated principle and the policies that flow from the principle, what we're trying to achieve, the objective is not lost. We haven't lost focus on the objective, but we understand the path to that place is going to be circuitous, whether it's spending, whether it's even the preservation of life itself. Some um, recognition of that by the Matt Gateses of the world would be helpful. Some acknowledgement that uh, or explanation, if he has one, why Kevin McCarthy and not Mike Johnson, if it was about what you said it was about? This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. 
Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, Equal housing lender. Signature Bank. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560. The answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Song's very appropriate. Running with the devil. Chicago, the city that works you over again and again and again just ask that uh, beverly family uh the pettifords that we spoke about last week after that horrific armed carjacking at their home yeah and it went viral i mean we've heard but it, it even network news picked this up because it was so graphic and so, but it was so real. Like the one, she just came back from picking up her daughter from volleyball and she's walking the house. Her daughter thankfully got in the house, shut the door, locked it. The mom, she was thrown to the ground, gone, held to her head and they wanted her keys. And she kept saying, it's in the purse. It's in the purse. And then her husband came out and they pointed a gun at him. And so everybody's familiar with that story. Yes. Now the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. Well, what happened yesterday at 7.20 in the morning, they had their car stolen, their Land Rover at 7.20 a.m. Um, the other car. The other car. Yeah, and apparently my source told me that when they took her purse, they took both sets of car keys with them. But the fact that how bold and brazen that these thieves, they come back to the scene of the crime and victimize the family again? Encore, encore. Uh, two businesses were robbed at gunpoint in Logan Square in less than 30 minutes uh, Monday evening. Uh, both of those businesses were also robbed last week. That's not the only encore, Beverly. Is it starting to register? Particularly, um, well, I mean, not really particularly in Beverly, but I, 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 I we, we read the missive that um, Dad had sent out to friends that providing excruciating detail about what happened. It's terrible. Uh, very frightening. Had a gun pointed in his face with the confrontation and, and uh, of course, the aftermath is that his wife is afraid, his 12-year-old daughter is afraid. Uh, can you imagine? This but, is like pouring salt on the wound, though. So are, are, are you starting to get the message in Beverly? I'm talking to you, uh, Democrats. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six 
type in DA, then a quick comment. I just am so naive, Dan, that I actually thought that, wow, if they had the second set of their car keys, somebody, that car, that vehicle would be under surveillance. So if they came back to the scene of the crime, which oh, I don't think they would do, but if they did, they'd be there to grab them. They, uh, and they, under surveillance by who? By police. I don't. What? I know. I said I was naive. Uh, they don't know if the two cases are related. Uh, yeah, they're related. The vehicle was recovered a short time later in the 9700 block of South Merrill. Nobody's been arrested there. But they say that they have two people in custody for the November 2nd carjacking. It's uh, just big city living, right? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Um, and yeah. also what happened yesterday? Well, you, you're worried about the surveillance on uh, somebody's car who's already been carjacked. Um, the commanders of the districts can't even avoid having their cars taken. Yeah, please do. 79th and Jeffrey area. We'll head over there. And uh, what's the car wanted for? As I know, it's a straight steal. Uh, 5700 Adams. Yeah, it's the commanders in four vehicles. Oh, okay. Uh, did you copy that, uh, PH? Fourth District Commander's vehicle. Yep. All right, we're going to be looking. He'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, he would. I mean, they don't even. What? Wait, the commander's vehicle? Yeah, Keith uh, Millmine. He's been there for 26 year veteran. Lives in the fourth district. Works in the fourth district. Was at work yesterday, and his vehicle was parked right across the street from the police station. It got stolen. Big city living. Um, woman critically injured after man randomly strikes her with a log while she's walking on the Mag Mile. Interestingly, this happened very close to where uh, Russ Long, the 49-year-old River North resident, uh, employee of Northern Trust, was killed in a random assault this summer that we talked to you about by a repeat violent offender, was known, and it took uh, Russ Long's friends to be unrelenting in their efforts to get police to investigate and ultimately bring the person responsible into custody struck in the face with a log outside of Burberry on 633 North Michigan well we better start banning logs knocked her unconscious fell to the ground so it said the woman was believed to be a flight attendant who was shopping while on a layover in Chicago oh my god Uh do you see the suspect's picture mugshot dear lord Three carjackings in Lakeview, all in a row. I mean, within 12 minutes. Man who shot a driver near Roosevelt CTA while on bail for a felony case has been sentenced to 12 years in prison. Just tell you Chicago crime stories. I don't know what else to tell you. Sentenced to 12 years in prison, finally. Eight-time felon. 12 years for shooting someone in the South Loop while on uh, bail for a felony. Got to crack down on these criminals who commit crimes with guns. Got to crack down on gun crime. Mm-hmm. Eight-time convicted felon. It's not even worth going through his rap sheet. Uh, I raised this because of the last piece of what I just relayed while on bail for a felony. 
the fifth, this is back in 2021. He was the 52nd person accused of killing or trying to kill or shooting someone in Chicago while awaiting trial for a felony. Let me just go again and again. The number of people who were killed and injured simply because you didn't put repeat violent offenders behind bars awaiting trial. How's that safety act going? This Justin, a Venezuelan migrant, has been charged with shoplifting from three stores on the Magnificent Mile in a single day. He hit up Ralph Lauren, Saks Fifth Avenue, Victoria's Secret, and he's been arrested three times under two different names since arriving from Chicago. He's assimilating. Uh, Come join the murder and robbery and mayhem. Marty in Naperville. Good morning. Once again, I'll ask, as I did last week, where can I go get my 2016 fully insured 400,000-mile Mazda stolen? Somebody let me know. I'd love to do that. Second of all, on the serious side, how come we haven't heard anything at all? I heard a little snippet about the, 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 that 15-year-old uh, who was killed by those 15, 15, 15 people or something when he was protecting his friend. How come we haven't heard anything about that? I, in fact, your screener, now your producer had to tell me it was in Vegas. I didn't even know where it was. Yeah, it was. I saw a little bit the news about. Yeah, well, they arrested uh, eight. I, they arrested eight people and charged them with first degree murder. And I don't know why it took them so long, but it did. But they are finally behind. Well, they've been arrested, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't. I don't think anybody's hiding the story. Which, what's the point? No, I know. I, well, I was just mad that they were because. Kids killing kids. You don't have to go to Las I, Vegas to have that conversation, do you? The 15, he was protecting his friend. They kicked the snot out of him so much that they ended his life. I, I understand. Well, and, it, and it just upset me because I work in the school thing. system and you know who those kids are. So why are they even breathing another day without being arrested? They, they were for almost a week. They were out on the street still. Yeah, but whatever, Dude. putting the case together with that many people. I, I don't know. It doesn't I don't think that there's any indication that the Las Vegas PD was falling down on the job. But I mean, if, is the point, if the point is about kids killing kids. Well, kids don't realize that they're so stupid that they don't really, if you get in a fist fight, guess what? Somebody could die. And here's a graphic example. So don't do it. Stabbing yesterday at Proviso West high school in the hallways. Marvin Burlington, Wisconsin. Yeah, good morning. I just wondered if you recollect the story uh, several years ago about the fellow had his house broken into, and um, they the people broke in, the, stole the car, and they took the keys, and then they came back like uh, when this guy had come home from vacation. When first they were burglarized, no one was home, and the mother and father upstairs with the kids sleeping, and uh, the guy happened to have a gun. And this was he. I get the W's mixed up. Will Met or Winnetka, one of those two. Uh, they had a law against having a. Uh, yeah, this is the this is the Hale Demar this is the Hale Demar case from decades ago. But yes, I, I know the case. So. Yeah, right. I mean, this has been yeah, the same foolish people making the same foolish decisions about what to do with these criminals. Yeah, and it turned out one of those guys had two or three warrants on him from Georgia and Florida, and it, it's the same overeducated group of people with no street smarts making uh, rules for common folks like us with common sense. And it, it just never changes. Never changes. Thanks for the call, Marvin. Um, Heather McDonald, our friend over at uh, City Journal. Public safety has been destroyed in many American cities because of an idea. 
The idea holds that any law enforcement activity that has a disparate impact on black criminals is racist. Disparate impact is why many police departments have dismantled gang databases and anti-gun task forces, why they have given up on public order enforcement, and why they have all but eliminated car stops. It's why progressive district attorneys have stopped prosecuting trespassing, shoplifting, fair evasion, and resisting arrest, why, why bail is being eliminated, and why judges let repeat offenders back on the street. Disparate impact is the reason that chain stores like Starbucks and Walgreens would rather close high-loss outlets than accost thieves. Until the disparate impact concede is demolished, permanently restoring law and order will be impossible. Conservatives can call for repolicing all they want unless they explicitly discredit the idea that incarcerating black criminals is racist. However, Democrat politicians and policymakers will be able to use disparate rates of stops and arrests to roll back constitutional crime control whenever they have the power to do so. You ready to say that? Chicago? Are you ready to, to say what Heather McDonald just wrote? To repeat after her? Are you? Or are you just going to bitch about crime? And uh, emote over the latest victims. The idea holds any law enforcement activity that has a disparate impact on black criminals is racist. That is the idea that needs to be confronted. It is. She's right. Amy, care to weigh in? You like to talk about crime. What about that? You ready to confront that idea? 312-642-5600, turnkey Depro answer line. Yes, no? You have no comment. I have no comment. Why? Because everything I say, you're going to rip on it. I'm not in the mood. I'm, I am I am sick about gonna, what gonna is going on. Well, stop playing the victim. I'm not it's a simple, the victim. It's a simple question. Yes. Yes, you're ready to confront it. Well, I don't know how to confront it. I don't know what confronting it looks like. I don't vote the way these morons vote that I live around. Do you, confronting it is acknowledging it. Oh, I'm acknowledging, yes. I'm not asking you to, you know, be a vigilante. Well, you have to do what you have to do to protect your family. Yeah, and but, we're already doing that over at the, our household. Yeah, but the the uh, the challenge issued by Heather McDonald is tell the truth about law enforcement and crime. Everybody can tell the truth. That's the question. Are you willing to tell the truth? Because I don't think most Chicago, most of Chicago is. You know how I know? Because I watch what they do. In Chicago, plan proposed to reduce excessive traffic stops of black and brown drivers. ACLU has uh, found that uh, blacks and Latinos are stopped more frequently than whites. That is uh, prima facie evidence of racism, according to them and all the identitarian politicians that people in Beverly and the rest of the city have elected into office. Who won't tell the truth? Who cares? I mean, they're so focused on the wrong thing. It's unbelievable. Oh, wait, did we tell you they got a three-point plan. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, three-point plan. I don't believe plan. their facts either. Um, ban police stops for traffic violations when the primary intention of that stop is to fish for other signs of criminal activity. Prohibit all police stops for low-level traffic violations. 
hey, a similar bands are in place in Philly, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. Uh, yeah, look how well it's going out there. Swimmingly. Aye. Require Chicago police officers who have pulled a vehicle over for a traffic violation to have an independent legal basis to ask the driver to be to consent to be frisked or to have their vehicle or belongings searched. Because racial inequities, quote-unquote, in stops and searches uh, are such that black drivers were stopped 1.7 times more than whites and Hispanic drivers were stopped 2.5 times or 2.5 times more likely than whites to be stopped. Um, we could talk about uh, the incidence of violent crime, both in terms of perpetrators and victims and uh, what those numbers look like on a per capita basis. Was it like 90% black on black? Talk about that. And that is evidence of also of white supremacy. Everything is evidence of racism. Everything is evidence of racism directed at brown and black. So say the leadership of the city. So says the electorate, the majority of the electorate of the city. Tell the truth about law enforcement and crime. And the answer Chicago is uh, giving to that challenge is no. No, we're not going to. Well, then you're going to get the same policies and the same proposals that you've been getting as Marvin from Burlington said, for generations. The Amish texter has weighed in. Dan and Amy, Chicago, the town's so nice, they rob you twice. Matt, Southside. Hey, good morning, Dan. You mentioned something about uh, these illegals assimilating, and I think Amy mentioned something about that guy who uh, shoplifted at Victoria's Secret. She referred to him as a he. Well, he's assimilating as a Democrat. He's a thief and a (laughs) cross-dresser. Carl, Big Cabin, Oklahoma. Good morning. Hey, uh, the great state all... that brought us Mark Wayne Mullen. We'll get to him. Oh, yeah, I love that I, cowboy, a real cowboy. I actually, I actually live in Wisconsin where we have uh, oh. good football. Well, maybe well, next year. Yeah. Uh, on to my point, uh, it's all started with the uh, George Floyd fentanyl overdose death. You know, he was dealing drugs and peddling money, but... They've all, this generation of thugs has been emboldened. And out in Vegas, they made it a point that if you stand up to them, you will be punished. Well, eventually, and the state's not going to do that. They're going to say they're all underage and let them go. And what's going to happen is the state don't want to do nothing. We're going to start seeing vigilante uh, justice. There's got to be men. It's not toxic masculinity when you stand up to these thugs. It's masculinity. There's a few of us left. Not a lot. Thanks, Carl. George Naperville. Yeah, I don't think the summer job program's enough. They need fall and winter jobs, too, to keep these kids off the street. Yeah, right. You know, he campaigned on year-round jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to kind of come to City Hall, remember? How'd that work out? Uh, Heather McDonald makes the point uh, about the Obvious hypocrisy. But it's not because uh, whites are trying to uh, imprison, sideline black and brown Americans. It's quite the opposite, in fact, most of us. Um, Maybe um, Al Sharpton and Benjamin Crump should be challenged 
maybe Black Lives Matter should be, to say the names of the dozens of black children slain in drive-by shootings by blacks since the George Floyd riots. Maybe they should be asked why Crump and Sharpton, why they avoided a hospital in North Minneapolis when a ten-year-old, where a 10-year-old boy and a 9-year-old girl were in adjacent rooms having both been shot in the head in separate drive-bys. The girl died a few days after the Sharpton-Crump visit. The boy will be disabled for life. Their lives matter, too, but they are of no interest to the race agitators. Well-meaning Americans also turn their eyes away from black crime in deference to racial etiquette. Such etiquette, however understandable, is costing lives. It will continue to do so until and unless the next presidential administration tells the truth about law enforcement and crime. And it's not just up to the president. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. It's rules of the road in life. You don't want to pick a fight with a guy named Mark Wayne. I just, I think that just anybody who has uh, two names as their first name. Well, you know what they say. Yeah, never trust a guy with two first names. It's not but the, not the, like that in this case. Yeah, but it's not two first names. It's not well, like his name is Mark Wayne. It's one first name that's two names. Ah, that's Mark a category Wayne. unto itself. Mark Wayne Mullen is a former congressman, now the senator, a one of the two senators from Oklahoma. Um, he's my hero. He's also a former MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pretty jacked. Well, uh, he and kind of looks like you, but just a little different. He and the boss of the Teamsters, Sean O'Brien, don't particularly care for one another. <laughs> and I guess the last time that uh, O'Brien appeared before a Senate committee uh, on which Mark Wayne Mullen sits. Uh, after that hearing and whatever exchange they had, Sean O'Brien, the Teamsters boss, took to social media and called Senator Mullen names. Well, he's yeah, but also he it was a picture he had of uh, Mark Wayne Mullen standing at a lectern 
and he had he was standing on a little box and he circled the box and then wrote greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. In reality, just a clown and a fraud, always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in the Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. That's yeah, what he well, t- that, yeah. Well, that was the name calling I was referencing. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean. So Senator Mullen uh, brought that up because, um, well, basically, I'll be your Huckleberry. Everybody knows in this hearing the last time, <laughs> him and I kind of had a back and forth. I uh, appreciate your demeanor today. It's quite different. But after you left here, you got pretty excited about the keyboard. In fact, you tweeted at me one, two, oh three, four, five times. And let me read what the last one said. Um, it said, greedy CEO who pretends like he's self-made. Sir, I wish you was in the truck with me when I was building my plumbing company myself. And my wife was running the office because I sure remember working pretty hard in long hours. Pretends like he's self-made. What a clown. Fraud. Always has been. Always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me. Any place, any time, cowboy. Sir, this is a time, this is a place. If you want to run your mouth, we can be two consenting adults. We can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, stop it. Is that your Sorry. solution? Every poll. Oh, no, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay, okay. Sit down, please. All right. Can I respond? Mr. Hold Shem. it. Hold it. If Hold we on. can, no, I have the mic. I'm sorry. This is Hold what it. he said. You'll have your time. Okay. Can I respond? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> this is a hearing. And God knows the American people have enough of contempt for Congress. Let's not I don't make like it worse. Thugs and you, you have, and you have I don't like you because you just described yourself. Yeah. Hold it. You have the mic. Yeah. You have time. All right. Just statement. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636DA, turnkey.pro, text line. How'd you like uh, Comrade Bernie playing the peacemaker? Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Mark Wayne Mullen uh, did stand up, and uh, Sean O'Brien did not, uh, but you heard the exchange. Uh, is Is that conduct unbecoming a senator? Should we expect more from our elected officials is that uh sort of bellicose discourse and challenging people to a fight is that just across the line or or not secretly i was like this is the best thing i've seen in a long long time and i wanted him to take it to him because you can't make vital you know threats like that and just say it no i mean you you wrote it you're a keyboard warrior and now you're face to face with the senator who you made disparaging remarks about. So get up and fight like a man. Why can't we do that anymore? Here's uh, what Mark Wayne Mullen had to say on Hannity last night about the incident. You know, yeah, it is. And in Oklahoma, I mean, people tell me, I've had media come out to me and says, this isn't coming of a senator. I was like, listen, I'm a guy from Oklahoma first. In Oklahoma, you don't do this. Maybe you run your mouth in New Jersey. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not from New Jersey, but this is some thug. That's a mob boss, and you're supposed to be intimidating because he's the boss of the Teamsters. But, and he's got away with this. He's got suspended by his own, by his own uh, Teamsters before for intimidation. He's been in trouble multiple times. He, he's, he, in 2022, he said he wanted to bring a mob mentality back to the Teamsters. 
It, maybe that's true, but you still aren't going to run your mouth at me and expect me to just sit there. And and you, you should have seen the fear of his eyes when I stood up, too. Now, I'm not joking. I, I'm not looking for a fight. I used to get paid to fight professionally. Uh, this, I, I'm not really looking for it, but I'm sure not going to sit back and let somebody do that and not call him out on it. Uh, and Mark Wayne Mullen went a little bit further saying, look, we need more of what I did. And, and this guy, I just don't think that he was expecting uh, he was expecting me to answer the call. And, um, and, 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 and we need more of this, to be quite frank. I'm not saying more violence, but we need more people to be taught a lesson and, and be called out on what they say. You've got to be responsible hey, for the words. 312-642-5600, Turnkey Dow Pro Answer Line, 64636-DA, Turnkey Dow Pro Text Line, responsible mm-hmm. for the words. What do you think, Dan? What did you uh, think of that exchange? Um, I wanted Mark Wayne Mullen to take uh, Sean O'Brien outside and teach him some manners. I'm really um, tired of uh, the, the, the guys who pretend to be tough guys. Yes, some politicians do. The guys who pretend to be tough guys are guys like Sean O'Brien, these goon squad politicians, because, I mean, being the head of the Teamster is not very different than being a politician. We saw the same thing with uh, Sean Fain uh, with the auto workers, too. You know what? They should focus on trying to find Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, I'm, it's just that... Uh, that workers of the world unite, uh, we're real men kind of stuff while you get pushed around and make your beds with the pronoun police. Good with point. it, with the purveyors of drag queen story hour. With the uh, pro abortion shrews in leafy suburbs, because that's who you're allied with. Tough guy, Sean O'Brien. And so many of these, uh, well, Public sector unions, for sure. But even the trades. Yeah. I'm real impressed. And I'm real afraid. It would have been nice. Well, nice is the wrong word. Um, It would have been a moment. If Mark Wayne Mullen uh, put Sean O'Brien in a submission hold uh, outside and... uh, Essentially said, you know, you asked for it and you got it. Because he did ask for it. Any place, any time, cowboy. Okay, time is now. Dave and Cicero, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Uh, yes, sir. I uh, wrestled in high school a little bit beyond. Actually, determined to my mid-30s. Rolled around in a huge gym. Very low level, my talent, talent-wise. Medi- mediocre at best. There, there are millions of dudes out there that look like nothing. Oh, I know. That, that would take me apart like a clock. And I'm built and all that. I mean, which could kill me in 30 seconds or a minute. <laughs> don't, don't get in fights. Don't get in fights with anybody. That's <laughs> just the thing. Or pick, pick fights like this uh, Teamster guy, dude. Don't do that, dude. You get hurt bad. Thanks That's for the call. Thank you. Thanks for the call. There's no question. I mean, you look at, uh, like, uh, I mean, thinking of MMA, since uh, Mark Wayne Mullen was MMA, I mean, do you think of the Gracie family? Some of those Gracies are little wiry dudes, and they would Rip exactly. Rip your throat out? <laughs> I mean, they just, they 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 could, uh, you know, 
they could dismember me with their hands in 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, he's it, David Cicero is absolutely right. But um, I think uh, Mark Wayne Mullen had Sean O'Brien properly measured. Yeah. So a little different. And Sean O'Brien looked a little shocked when he stood up. Like, oh, is this happening? Uh, Bill and Glen Ellen. Yeah, I would like it to go back to the days where they would beat each other with canes on the uh, the floor of uh, the House and the Senate. Yeah, the good old days. A nice, <laughs> yeah, I think a nice simpler times teaches people a nice dose of violence teaches people to be more respectful and polite in their public discourse. You know, uh, you know, public dueling. You know, I could see that coming back too. That sure. Nice. Yeah. yeah, sure. Bring back back the days of. Uh, Aaron Burr and Alexandra Hamilton, right? We have a musical. Uh, it gets settled. That's one way to settle things. Well, they'll get her done, Dad. Uh, Matt, South Bend. I was just going to mention that, uh, oh, thanks for taking my call. I'm sorry. Uh, with reference for bullying, online bullying, I mean, if we address that, I mean, he's got every right to go ahead and pick the, uh, the union boss right outside, like you said. And get the uh, striped shirt on Bernie, and uh, we get it going. <laughs> exactly. Best two or three falls, yeah. Uh, Tom, Blue Island. Good morning, Dan, Amy. The leftists are such cowards. I, I think this is part of why Trump is so popular. I'm not trying to intimate Trump as some kind of badass. It's just so frustrating when you lose to these people that are such obvious cowards. And that's why my hope was always Trump the sledgehammer and have DeSantis come in and clean everything up. But it's so frustrating to lose to these people when they're such pansies. And, Dan, I don't know if you had a quick moment. Maybe you could regale that uh, story of yours when you were on Channel 2, kind oh, of your uh, Bill Buckley you. moment with Gore Vidal, with someone. I can't remember the story. Weren't you on uh, with uh, Fox 32? Oh, and with with Martwick. When yeah. you had, when you ask the guy to go outside, Dan, right. it's, it's, it's just it's it's. I, I mean, I don't know you that well personally, but it's kind of out of your demeanor. It seems that that's what makes it so damn funny. Thanks for the call, Tom. Yeah, actually, it's it has happened a couple of times. So I, I probably need to be you know uh, take Dave from Cicero's advice more seriously because I'm you know I'm not holding myself out as some sort of prize fighter, but. I think I properly measured my uh, competition as well when I offered those opportunities to Pat Brady once at the City Club. To, oh, I was there for that one. Yeah, to um, uh, that. Uh, I think you could have taken him. All right, go on. Oh my God, I'd make him a stand on the road. He's an old man. Just I mean, please inserting my opinion about. The I mean, fight. and and Bobby Bobby Martwick, who's another one of these tough guys, tough one of the, like want to be tough guys. Northwest side. He's a rough and tumble working dude, kind of representing the blue collar working dude and the cops and firefighters on the northwest side. Yeah, my ass. Uh, he's uh, twenty pounds of dung in a ten pound suit. And uh, on Fox Chicago, yeah, I, I, I think I called him a, a scumbag or something in in our exchange because he is. He's a low life, like so many of these people are, uh, in office and office adjacent, like some of these union bosses. And you know, and I have no problem with the trades, as I've said many times over the years. I've always had I had a good relationship with Bill Dugan when he was the president of Local One Hundred and Fifty. I had a good relationship with Jim Sweeney at Local One Hundred and Fifty. I have a good relationship with 
guys at uh, uh, IBEW and the plumbers over the years, too. So I have no problem with the trades, and I have no problem even with a lot of the leadership over the years. There's nothing um, – I mean, those all those trade jobs are honorable jobs done mainly by honorable people. So it's not that, but it's it's the politics piece of it. And um, the, the, the it's those individuals who make deals that I wouldn't make – and run scams that I wouldn't be a part of. That's the issue. Uh, and so, and I think that's the issue with Mark Wayne Mullen as it pertains to Sean O'Brien, especially when he pulls this, you know, class envy silliness about a greedy CEO could, because Mark Wayne Mullen built up a multi-million dollar plumbing business. Uh, I, and I don't know his hiring practices, if he's union, non-union shop, he's probably right probably, to work yeah. in Oklahoma. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't hire union workers and so on and so forth. But it's just just all that like you're not for the working man and I am and you're a greedy this and they deserve that. That whole rap is uh, just nonsensical. And it's tiresome. And these guys, by the way, who, um, you know, all in make very nice livings. I'm talking about the bosses of these unions, these big unions. You know, it just gets a little bit, a little bit much sometimes, you know. Oh, they're uh, so high on their horse. Yeah. The layered, take on a U.S. senator. It gets a layered on a little thick. And again, and, and I'm looking around at your allies. And you're going to try to persuade me. With that, uh, as I said, cheap Marx Engels, Workers of the World Unite rhetoric. Come on, dude. Uh, Aaron Munster, Indiana. Hello. How you doing? Good. Go ahead, Aaron. I just got off the phone. Uh, I guess Jake Paul and Dana White are setting up the match in Vegas. <laughs> the, uh, cowboy and the Fed. The, the, the cowboy the versus cowboy the teamster. Versus, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Pretty good billing. Cage match. Two enter, one leaves. Um, yeah. By the way, Dana White's uh, too busy. He's, he's going off on his podcast. We'll get to it about uh, Peloton. So he's going to. Oh. Uh, oh, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Did you well, have a Peloton? No. I did. I did for the both of us. I rode for you too. I did do those flywheel classes. My, oh, that's my, right. My, my, my suburban active wear. Greg in Jefferson Park. Hey, good morning, guys. Good friend of mine, may he rest in peace, used to work for the state of Illinois and one of the painting crews doing the roads and stuff. Anyway, he was a Teamster. All their guys were Teamsters, and the uh, uh, the rep was in there talking up on the new contract that the state had proposed, and the Teamsters were all for it. And my buddy knew finance, and he's like, no, no, this deal ain't no good. And he showed his guys why it wasn't good, and they all <laughs> voted it down. And the uh, the union steward was uh, basically threatened him, and he chased him out of the place with a pipe. <laughs> well, you know, boys will be boys. I mean, I got it. Thanks for the call, Greg. Yeah, I mean, it can get a little chippy in the union hall. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Oh, Stearns, that's new. Uh, Stearns in Bolingbrook? Hey, uh, I, I just, uh, I think that this country was a lot better when <laughs> when uh, we tarred and southern politicians mm-hmm. and they stood up for what they believed in. And I'm not a tough guy, but I won't back down from from what's right. Thanks for the call, Stearns. Appreciate it. Yeah. We have uh, one vote for caning. We have one vote for tar and feathering. Okay. Chasing of pipe. Uh-huh. Well, man, uh, 
strips off naked, runs outside, and howls at the moon. None of my concern. Does the same thing in my living room. You kind of have to deal with it. <laughs> John Crown Point. Hey, Dan and Amy. I love both of you. Of course, I love Amy more. But there's been a few times mm-hmm. when I wanted to punch Dan. Mm-hmm. Man, I wanted to give you a punch for being mean to Amy. That's my woman, brother. Yeah, yeah. We're so close. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Wonderful Chivalry's restraint. not done. Yeah, restraint on your part, John. Uh, Grant in Rockford. Good morning, you guys. It was great to see that guy. If he had any complexion at all, see it all leave his face when oh, the yeah. senator oh, stood up God. and took his ring off. Oh, that little worm oh, just started perfect. to squirm in his in his chair. And I tell you what, these are the people that words are violence. Don't misgender me. It's violence. Well, when real violence comes knocking, they beg for those police that they want to defund. Have a good one. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to. I mean, Sean O'Brien is the definition of pasty Irish. Yeah. I mean, oh my I don't, God. I don't think he would have lasted he's like two a, seconds. He's like a ghost. Uh, you know what? He sent a message yesterday, Mark Wayne did, to that Teamster. I'm glad. Phil and Merrillville. Hey, I, uh, I just want to say I'm a proud uh, voting Republican Teamster. And we need more guys like that because the Democrats like to run off, you know, fly it off at the mouth and say whatever they want. This guy shows what a true Republican is, and these rhinos need to get on board. I hope that guy, his wife, bought him a steak dinner and took him home and did what she had to do. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Spoken like a true teamster. All right, Phil. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560. The answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, let's uh, talk a little local economics first. Um, a banker friend of mine uh, told me this. This is be a nice addition to the um, to the offerings for migrants if this is indeed true um, the uh, ambassador east oh the right ambassador east hotel yeah. yeah has been in foreclosure since uh, july of this year um, they failed in, in an attempt to sell it last year now rumors are swirling that it uh, is being eyed as a migrant shelter oh boy a la the uh, that's right by pritzker's house so. the, the old ditkas yeah which would be great. Yeah, it's right there in the Gold Coast. Love, I think that's exactly what that neighborhood needs right now, right by Latin High School. Francis Parker's nearby. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, next goes the peninsula. I mean, I, I think that L.A., we should adopt the, the policy of L.A., which is to pass an ordinance mandating that hotels shall use empty rooms to house the homeless and or migrants and will be paid whatever daily rate the city sets that they decide is fair they what's, even what's um, wrong with that yeah they even had the uh, mayor of los angeles she said uh, two days ago she was talking to msnbc that mass leasing of hotels because dan she wants to keep them together so if you're living on a sidewalk with a group of guys she wants to put them together in the same hotel so that they have a sense of community absolutely karen so- bass is uh, her name she's a former member of congress and uh, this was 
something proposed before she even was elected and it was was being moved even before she was elected and now she wants to scale it good for her that's giving the people what they want and also too uh learning this morning that if governor or governor mayor johnson doesn't get 738 million from the federal government he's going to raise our property taxes that's on the table or try and dip into reserves that we have but that's yeah, uh, uh of course yeah i mean that's on the table i mean that's this is that's just pedestrian what do you expect what do you think is going to happen well he said he campaigned on you know he wasn't going to raise our property taxes unless you have a million dollar home or more yes uh-huh um this uh, commercial real estate situation in chicago uh a uh tweeter who goes under triple net investor that's a pretty good twitter handle if you're in commercial real estate um he's uh he tweets a lot about this topic he's pretty he's clearly um he's good knows the space uh, another Chicago commercial real estate my nightmare, the Jewelers Building, uh, the historic landmark tower in Chicago, reportedly going to be sold for a shocking price of around $39 million or $70 a square foot. The current owner has reportedly spent more than $118 million in upgrades over the last two decades. Reported back in May, the current owner was trying to find a buyer ahead of loan maturity. It was seen as a candidate to be converted to apartments, but no buyer emerged ahead of the loan maturity sending the property into receivership. Unable to find a buyer, the lender moved to foreclosure on the property on the property owner after the loan matured. Um, another possible site for oh, migrants and now you're the homeless. getting into it. So that's what we should be looking at, converting uh, commercial real estate into uh, residential properties uh, as BLM Brandon expands his gimme dat real estate empire. Well, we're going to have to do it because we even had Alderman Lopez on the show who said those tent cities, you know, the one on 38th in California and 115th in Hall said, they're not going to be ready until June. And people are getting pretty upset that they're setting up camps in the parkway you know, between their house and the street. Yeah, well, and, well, I heard today they're going to taking be taking down the tents out of the 17th district. Yeah, we'll so see. where are they going to put those people? It's big city living. I don't really, the complaints, that those NIMBY complaints, we don't pay attention to those. Mm-hmm. Jim Urio is the host of the Future's Edge podcast. He's a proprietor of Brands in Palatine. Uh, good burgers there. Good ribs there, too. I've had them. Uh, Jim, thanks tacos. for joining us. Appreciate it. Don't forget about the tacos. Thanks for having me. Um, tacos, yeah, the fish tacos, yeah. Oh. So, uh, I, just the, like that commercial real estate uh, story, um, and and the the story of commercial real estate in Chicago, in particular, since it's since it's here, and uh, and 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 big cities to which we've been sort of talking about, waiting to see what happened. There was, I, I know, we talked to you about this before. It's like start to see third, fourth quarter, beginning of next year you're going to start to see uh, a spike in some of these foreclosures. Is that starting to happen? Sure. It is starting to happen, and it's going to, to escalate. One thing we got to remember, we've talked about in the show before, too, is that everybody had the opportunity to roll into very good long, longer-term loans in the period right before the, uh, the hiking cycle started, so the rates are now. But just to put it in perspective, $2.8 trillion of commercial real estate loans are going to mature by 2027. Um, so as we start to move forward each quarter, each quarter, these real estate loans will mature and there's no reason for them to be renewed. So there'll be more vacancy and property values will start. Then it becomes this like cycle. And then knuckleheads like our government will try to turn them into migrant shelters. And by the way, when you said, when you're saying those ideas, like we, we came up with another couple awful ideas. We'd then be qualified to run for mayor, I think. Exactly part right. Of, part, of yeah. the issue, 
Yeah, exactly. And I don't like one thing is when I, you know, in our little circles, they like talk about how awful Brandon Johnson is. Brandon Johnson is not awful. He's completely competent and he's doing exactly what he said when he was elected mayor of Chicago. He said he would make it a more crime friendly city, as crazy as that sounds, you know, stop pursuit on foot, defund the police, whatever nonsense that is, decriminalizing petty theft. These big city mayors told you exactly what they were going to do, the metaphorical you, not us, of course, and they voted for them anyway. So why would you start expanding your footprint in the city from a commercial real estate point of view, knowing full well that uh, this knucklehead is trying to basically trying to increase crime? And what you said, too, Amy, you hit it right on the head. I've been wondering and scratching my head why in the world they'd want to institute such toxic, destructive policies in urban centers. And it must be because they felt that the game was lost anyway, and they needed to go to the federal government and say, look at how awful things are. We need a trillion dollars. That has to be, in my opinion, the, uh, the end game there. But the commercial real estate, that's where the big seizure is in our economy right now, and I think that's the thing we should keep an eye on. What, what do you think's next for the city of Chicago, though? I mean, you have all the these. Well, that, well no, we found out yesterday. Not 50, happen. Only 51% of um, companies have their workers back to work Monday through Friday. So there's yeah. still a lot of vacant space out there, and I don't think it's going to get filled up anytime soon. And we've, we've seen cities collapse on themselves. Detroit, in the 50s, Detroit was the Paris of the Midwest. Detroit was this brilliant, fantastic city. And then all of a sudden, because it was hinged too much to one industry, that industry faltered and the whole thing went south. I mean, we've seen cities go south before. Sometimes they have, you know, a renaissance as the, as the economy goes. But to think that standard of living in the Chicago and Chicago area, and by the way, you know, I live in the northwest suburbs, and when my friends out there start talking to me about the bears moving out there and this and that, which I'm not certain is really going to happen, I try to describe it as like, you remember when the Titanic broke in the middle and the sides went way up in the air? That's what we're experiencing now in the suburbs, like the flight from the city of businesses. And I spoke to the, to the mayor of my town when Brandon Johnson got elected, and I said, are you, are you talking to some of these Chicago businesses about potentially moving out to Palatine? He said, yeah, and none of them want to move anywhere in Cook County, and all they have to do is go one or two more towns further out, and then they're out of Cook County and away from Chicago. The further they want to get, the better. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, I think the Bears thing is going to happen, by the way. The McCaskies don't spend $200 million to not do something. Uh, but but um, but but the the federal bailout thing, I mean, just to put a fine point on it, I mean, they may get some money uh, and that provides a Band-Aid for a short period of time. I hope they don't. I hope that House Republicans uh, redline these big cities that are demanding cash because they can't finance the policies that they advance. But um, but it's not going to be uh, the sort of dollars that the city or the state of Illinois needs for the unfunded obligations. It's uh, throwing off on a real-time basis. Dude, this is the part where I, I might disagree with you. And it depends on who, of course, wins in these next elections. But we just saw an election last week where the MMTers and, or, and anyone on the left in my mind now is an MMTer. And I just think that what, you know, what five states had the worst COVID and the worst COVID mitigation. Well, they happen to be the five states that needed this, the most money from the federal government because of their profit spending and their unfunded pensions. And we got approximately, if you account for it, as you know, $200 billion during that whole right. nonsensical period in our time. So I don't see why you don't think, because I think they want, because I think they want to spend money just to spend money. Well, I understand, but, but, but the, the COVID thing doesn't work because Ron DeSantis uh, or, 
Henry McMaster is not banging his tin cup uh, on the rails in Congress saying, I need more money for this and I need more money for that. What they're going to say, and the politicians in those states, including their congressional delegations, is the hell that you're sending my money to Chicago or to New York City to bail out sanctuary state, uh, sanctuary city, sanctuary state politicians or or to Illinois to bail out unfunded public sector pensions. You're not going to do that. The difference with COVID is everybody uh, on a per capita basis got the distribution. Well, that's not what you're talking about. You I mean, I don't even know if the federal government could print enough money to do the same thing for unfunded uh, liabilities like pensions uh, on a state by state basis the way they did COVID. No, no. And I, I like what you're saying. And I don't fully disagree, too. But remember also, and by the way, this isn't the theory I'm putting forth here. This is what they told us they were going to do, and then this is what they did. And I'm talking about the inflation that they intentionally caused. They fully realized that the amount of debt all these states have, and particularly when you talk about the unfunded pensions, the only way out of it is to devalue the currency, to pump tons of money into the system, create inflation, and then start to you know grab tax revenue on every inflated transaction that happens in the city. That's you know economists have known that yeah. for years. The way if you want to encourage Inflate people to your way out, money, yeah, you have to yeah you have to print your way out. So I think that they actually think the printing, the government, and this is so funny where the Fed started fighting inflation at the same time government tried to spur inflation over the last two and a half years. It's just something that's like beating our head against the wall. Of They spend lots of money. I hope you're right. It's interesting to see how it plays out. Well, I mean, uh, uh, speaking of that, I mean, in inflation, so we had the market uh, uh, you know, experience uh you know exhilaration yesterday because uh the inflation number came in cooler than expected so we're going to see uh, uh the the market continue to run up through the rest of the year until we get uh, a new inflation numbers uh, where the the talk now is i read in the journal this morning it's uh you know that soft landing is uh, coming into focus <laughs> i love how we segued nice Seamlessly to inflation, we're getting, we're getting good at this thing. But anyway, yeah, I, this number comes out yesterday. So uh, first of all, the whole look at it from the thirty-five thousand foot view. These numbers are nonsense, and the calculations that go into them are complete nonsense. That doesn't matter because if the Fed believes them, they will then base their hiking cycle or their easing cycle on those numbers. So like every all the market participants don't know. Like there was just such weird anomalies in the data yesterday. Like it said that there was a thirty-five percent. Um, decrease in healthcare costs. Well, you didn't have a 35% decrease in your healthcare costs, did you? So anyway, there's, there's weird, weird parts of the calculation. But the Fed, is, are they going to stop the hiking cycle? Yes. Are risk assets like stocks going to benefit from that? I certainly believe that's the case. My base case right now is that the economy is deteriorating. I think this quarter up until the holidays is going to look really good. A lot of um, unions negotiated new contracts, and a lot of people are feeling wealthy out there right now, and they're spending on the holidays. And they're spending on experiences. But once Q1 comes next year, I think there's going to be a massive hangover where they realize that raise they got still doesn't keep up with the inflation that was intentionally caused. And then we start to deteriorate. And I think the Fed will start easing rates by May and June. And stocks could do fine that. Remember, stocks aren't a reflection of everybody feeling good all the time. Stocks are oftentimes a reflection of how aggressive the Fed is and the government is to add liquidity. And the government's perfectly willing. I've just gone on a huge rant. I'm sorry about that. No, that's good. No, it's helpful. And okay. I want, I want that. I, I, I did. I want to get one more uh, uh, review from you on something Chicago based because when we're talking about uh, inflating our way out and taxing financial transactions, is there any more scuttlebutt since this is your universe about uh, the exchanges 
uh, okay, pulling so up stakes. An unnamed, unnamed CEO of one of the exchanges made it very clear that there would be, if, if, if there was a hint of a financial transaction tech, which, by the way, the reason we are the, we're the future's um, center of the world is because of how um, uh, cheaply and inexpensively people could leverage with futures contracts. If you take that away, it takes the business away. The, the exchange would move in literally 10 minutes. I think they've already set it up that if any sort of ridiculous, any sort of um, transaction tax, oh, because you know, like a, an average contract size of a futures contract, let's say is $300,000. People who don't understand the business will be like, oh, well, what's, What's ten cents on three hundred thousand dollars? No, the whole point of it, and the whole point that was in this city, is because we made it very cheap to move money to hedge risk, which is what the history of the futures market is: is the hedge risk. It's a mitigation strategy, and if they take that away, they'll be gone in Indiana or in Florida in ten minutes. So I, I is, think is, that is, Johnson realizes that. Is hmm? there is there any under other scenario if there was not a uh, financial transaction tax? Is there any other scenario under which the the exchanges would move? See, that part I don't know. I can't assess. I don't want to get in trouble with my friends, too. So I, right. I don't know. That. Very good. I, I, well, I, okay, so now I'll just give an opinion. Okay. I certainly think it's been knocked around. Um, I mean, it's not a very hospitable city sometimes. And I've, they keep looking at you like you're the villain. Yeah. 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 So, and, I, you know, again, I have a small business, like you said. And anybody who thinks that the government, whose one of their primary functions should be to help businesses have the tools they need to succeed, that's, that ship has sailed a long time ago. They come after businesses. They act like we're the evil empire. Anytime you make a buck, it's their buck until proven otherwise. Oh, you guys got me going this morning. This is fun. Jim Urio, host of the Futures Edge podcast, proprietor of Brands and Palatine. Jim, thanks as always. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, the news out of Israel is uh, the Israelis have carried out or in the process of carrying out a target operation inside Gaza's largest hospital. This is Al-Shifa. And it seems fairly clear, not just with respect to current intelligence, but with respect to years of intelligence that Hamas use the hotel as a base camp. In fact, as the Wall Street Journal editorial board opines, Hamas has used the hospital at least since 2006 when a PBS documentary showed terrorists roaming its halls and cordoning off wings. Even Human Rights Watch admitted in 2007 that Hamas had fired at Fatah, its Palestinian rival, from within the hospital. In the 2008-2009 war, Hamas leaders hid in a bunker under the hospital. Mm -hmm. The New York Times wrote that Hamas openly operated in the halls. In the 2014 war, the Washington Post reported that Shifa was a Hamas de facto headquarters. Quote, Amnesty International found that Hamas tortured prisoners on hospital grounds. So it shouldn't surprise anyone when yesterday NSC spokeswoman John Kirby said 
finally admitted the truth. Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad members operate a command and control node from al-Shifa in Gaza City. So when President Biden was asked about it, how could he say what he said? Well, uh, you know, I uh, have not been reluctant in expressing my concerns what's going on. Um, and it's my hope and expectation that uh, there will be uh, less intrusive action relative to the hospital. The hospital must be protected. What, what does that mean? Against the weight of all of this evidence over many, many moons, including the current one. It's baffling. I mean, I understand that um, the Israelis need to sort of keep up appearances and and um, appreciate uh, what America is providing and some of at least some of what the president has said. But I mean, good grief. How much confidence does that inspire? Zero to none. And think just right after the attack, he, he worked two half days. President Biden did. Uh, Yenam Cohen is the Council General of Israel to the Midwest. Uh, Council General Cohen, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning. Um, so I, I understand we uh, have to be diplomatic, but I mean, can you understand my confusion over what we know versus what the president said? As you mentioned, we have for years information about the fact that Hamas uses not only the Shifa hospital, by the way, but also other hospitals in the Gaza Strip as a hideout uh, for their military operation. They have constructed um, a very extensive network of tunnels underneath these hospitals to conceal their uh, top leadership, their headquarters, ammunition. And as according to the information that we have now, and that was also shared yesterday by the White House and the Pentagon, they're uh, probably also hiding some of the hostages in the tunnels underneath this hospital. This is why the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, went out yesterday for, you know, a very targeted in a very opera- a very targeted operation in a very precise uh, part section of the hospital, following intelligence that we had, uh, with the hope to not only um, dismantle and eliminate Hamas leadership and operatives, but also to be able to find some clues regarding um, the hostages. Let me remind you that just a few days ago in another hospital, the Rantisi Children's Hospital in the northern part of the Gaza Strip, our forces found underground tunnels with a lot of evidence that uh, some of the hostages were, had been held there before our troops arrived. They didn't find, unfortunately, they were, weren't able to rescue hostages because they weren't there. But we had a lot of information, a lot of proof that the hostages were held there. There were bottles of babies, uh, women clothes, and so on. So it is clear evidence that hostages were held by Hamas underneath hospitals. And this is exactly what we're trying to find out right now. Well, what about, you know, they keep showing pictures of the premature babies that are in that hospital. And, you know, but the Israeli government, they have portable incubators that they're ready to take those babies in to get them out of there. But Hamas is not letting them out. Is that correct? It is true. Our operation is, of course, against the Hamas operatives and leadership and not against, you know, the, the, the people that are hospitalized in, in this hospital. As you said, Israel brought not only incubators into the Gaza Strip, but also uh, medical experts who speak Arabic, by the way, 
so that they could support the the people that really need help in the hospitals while our soldiers are fighting um, Hamas leadership. And as he said, in many cases, Hamas is not protecting the Palestinian people. Hamas is interested in killing Jews, in killing Israelis. So they not only not letting you know people out, they're also shooting, and we have infinite indications for that. They're shooting at people who are trying to use the humanitarian corridors that Israel uh, created and to evacuate from the war zone. So how did this um, incursion yesterday go? I mean, what can you tell us about uh, what occurred uh, consistent with what uh, the objective was? As you mentioned before, it is still ongoing, so I don't have full information. But what I can confirm at this moment is that um, both Hamas ammunition was found. Hamas operatives that tried to, you know, shoot at our soldiers were eliminated. We're talking about, you know, operatives that were inside the hospital, of course. And unfortunately, up until now, no hostages were found, but our forces are continuing the operation. And I want to remind you, we're not talking about, you know, I don't know, just a small tunnel. We're talking about an extensive network of, of up to 500 kilometers underground tunnels. This is where the money of the humani- international humanitarian, uh, humanitarian aid throughout the years went for. It didn't go to the benefit of the Palestinians in Gaza. It went for, you know, for the construction of the probably most extensive underground construction uh, in the world. And this is what we're trying to fight right now. Is there any early indication about uh, patients from the hospital that were uh, essentially rescued by is the Israelis and are being cared for? You mentioned the medical professionals that are embedded, I, I, I suppose, uh, or any other information that has been uh, gleaned that would aid in uh, identifying where hostages are? There's, uh, regarding the patients, yes. And, and moreover, I would say Israel is ready also to take to our territory in some cases, um, um, you know, people that are hospitalized there in, in severe conditions, just to make sure that they get the treatment that they need. Regarding the, the hostages, um, I, let me just quote the spokesperson of, of our, the Israeli Defense Forces. As time goes by, we have more and more intelligence about some of the hostages and some of the conditions that they're in. Of course, I don't have this information. It, it is better. It, it, it should remain a secret. But I hope that both through intelligence and the uh, military operations will be able to rescue some of the hostages. What did you uh, take of the, the march for Israel yesterday in D.C.? I mean, you had tens of thousands. They were saying 300,000 people. Uh, you had Hollywood stars. You had politicians both on the left and the right uh, at the event. Did that give you any any hope? It gives me a lot of hope because I think this March yesterday, as you said, 300,000 people, one of, you know, one of the biggest in, in D.C.'s history, definitely the biggest uh, for support for Israel in many, many uh, decades, which brought together, you know, people from the East Coast, West Coast, Chicago, the Midwest, you know, the South. It was pretty amazing. And I think that this March really reflects the true American spirit. Because, as you said, you had the Speaker of the House, but also the, the minority leader, the majority leader of, of, of the Senate, Hollywood stars, um, Muslims for peace in the Middle East, um, a lot of Jewish and non-Jewish friends of Israel. This is a, tr- a true spirit. And, you know, people sometimes get confused because they see, um, I would say, fringe um, people, that fringe groups that march with a lot of hate, 
Also here in the streets of Chicago, they do not represent the true American spirit. We see all the polls. I mean, 80, more than 80% of the Americans stand with Israel. And I think that the march yesterday really represents this vast majority of Americans who support Israel, who understand that we share the same values, and who chose to, you know, to stand in the right side of history. Uh, I know uh, there's some tiptoeing around uh, politicians that needs to be done, but um, uh, maybe not New York Times columnists. Uh, I want you to react to what uh, Jonathan Capehart, who's a columnist for the New York Times and a commentator on PBS and MSNBC, what he had to say about uh, Israel's uh, right to defend itself. No reoccupation of Gaza, no reduction in the territory of Gaza, no forcible displacement of Palestinians, and Gaza should never be allowed to be used as a base for terrorist attacks against Israel or anyone else. Those are the simple principles that we are standing behind as we look to the future, and we will work with all of our partners, with the Israelis, with countries in the Arab world, and especially with the Palestinians, uh, so that they can have a voice in what the future governance of both the West Bank and Gaza look like. Uh, That's uh, not it. But what he said um, was that Israel must, and I'm quoting him, must defend itself, but do so in a manner becoming of a democracy. Um, That that phrase, in a manner becoming of democracy, necessarily insinuates that there's either some evidence that Israel is not, he believes, or that he's worried that Israel won't. How do you react to that? Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. Israel operates in a very complicated situation against the terrorist organizations that hide behind uh, civilians, as we said, including in hospitals, but not only in hospitals, also in schools and other civilian infrastructure. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really open to, to criticism. It is important. It's part of our democratic uh, fabric. I would only say that He's probably not the first commentator on MSNBC that criticizes Israel. You know, I I prefer to get some criticism at MSNBC and defend our people rather than have uh, 1,400 Israelis killed and get praised by MSNBC. Uh, Yeah, that seems to be a sensible position. Yinam Cohen is the Council General of Israel to the Midwest. Council General Cohen, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560 The Answer mobile app. Just text the word APP to 64636 to download the app today. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560 The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says reportedly that Nikki Haley is the best person to save America's struggling economy. Uh, he, we need an accountant in the White House. Dimon has reportedly had a series of informal phone calls with Haley as a sign of growing enthusiasm for her candidacy. And uh, that also includes uh, Citadel CEO Ken Griffin who is reportedly, well, he said, at the finish line, quote-unquote, of deciding whether or not to financially support Nikki Haley after having donated $5 bucks to the DeSantis effort. That's a decision we're actively contemplating. I mean, we're at the finish line on that choice, yes or no. 
dumping DeSantis for Haley, uh, possibly Ken Griffin, Jamie Dimon. Uh, Nikki Haley is the best to resuscitate America's flailing economy, burdened by the weight of binomics, which is to say industrial policy. Well, Bernie Marcus, we mentioned this before because he wrote an op-ed. Bernie Marcus, the uh, Home Depot co-founder, has come around to a different conclusion, not where he started, but where he is now. Uh, Bernie Marcus was on with Kudlow the other day, and he said this about his choice. I'm a Republican, but I'm an American first. I'm the original great story in America. Grew up in Newark, New Jersey, in a tenement, poor as hell, and had no money. My family had no money. And look where I am today. It could only have happened in America. And frankly, it could only happen under the system that we have, which is the the system of free enterprise and capitalism. And I've watched this guy in the White House. I mean, I can't believe what he does every day. I get up in the morning and I say, what the hell did he do today that's going to destroy America? Mm. And he never fails to surprise me. Mm. He always comes up with something. Mm. And it's never good. I don't know who the hell his advisors are. Mm. I don't have a clue. But he's supposed to represent all the people in America, and he doesn't. Uh, The poor people and the people that continuously vote that way, which is incredible to me how that happens, but I see them in this last election prove that maybe the American people aren't that smart, that maybe they're not going to bail us out. And the only one out there that I know has the experience to fix things. That's what he does. He fixes things. Now, you may not like what he says. He pisses off a lot of people. Every time he opens his mouth between the the Air Force One and and a helicopter, (laughs) he says something that irritates somebody. But the truth of the matter is that if we don't change the government in this next 24 election, yes. this country yes. is dead. I've never said that before. And look, uh, I don't see any way out. So obviously, Marcus is, was commenting on the incumbent president first and Trump second. Uh, billionaires divided. Oh, why can't billionaires get along? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Uh, Trump versus Haley. I'm not counting uh, DeSantis out of the race yet. He's, no. he's going to uh, be around for a while, uh, at, at least. But um, I mean, certainly to the early states. But um, it is interesting that uh, some uh, of those financiers who had high hopes for DeSantis have been shaken. And it is starting to crystallize into... I mean, it's certainly crystallized into a three-person race, and it could happen more quickly than anticipated, a two-person race. Well, some things that people don't like, uh, Nikki Haley, she said that anonymous social media posts are a 
national security threat? Yeah, well, this is uh, her uh, with Harris Faulkner yesterday addressing that matter. And um, uh, the the censorship issue is a big one. And as we've been talking about in this show, we're not it's not getting enough uh, discussion. The sense the the censorship industrial complex, as we term it within Republican ranks, generally it needs to. And, you know, this is my concern with one of my concerns with Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. She's one of those Republicans that thinks the solution to improper government engagement is more government engagement. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids, and it's going to help our country. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. This is from my friend. Amy, Nikki Haley has lost her damn mind. Very few conservative minorities in blue cities or states would be on social media at all if we couldn't be anonymous. It's hell out here being a black conservative. She's so freaking out of touch with real life. It's embarrassing. She sounds like Governor Hochul of New York. Yeah, I hate to lose uh, all my trolls. You oh, know, yeah, I, I, well, you um, so... Um, the everybody has to disclose their name and the government is going to do the what do the verification or the government is going to come up with a legal regime that social media companies have to comply with in order to ensure identification. Really? She does sound like Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, because here's what Kathy Hochul is talking about in New York state. Also, we're very focused on the data we're collecting from surveillance efforts, what's being said on social media platforms. And we have launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on on online platforms. Our media analysis, our social media analysis unit, has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats to others. And all this is in response to our desire, our strong commitment to ensure that not only do New Yorkers be safe, but they also feel safe. Because personal security is about everything for them. As I said, no one walking down the street or in a subway should feel they have to to hide any indications of what their religious beliefs are. We expect to see people celebrating their lives, walking about freely, and that is no longer the case because people are living in fear. They have a right to do whatever they want here in the state of New York. <laughs> right to do whatever they want. Yeah, that's sort of part of yeah. the problem. But um, this is how it's going to be sold. You heard both Kathy Hochul and Nikki Haley use the same vernacular. Keeping people safe. National security personal security. They're going to sell censorship. They're going to sell 
unconstitutional restrictions on your right of free expression by providing safety. It's going to be safe. We're going to eliminate hate. Yeah, well, hate speech. What, what Hate speech is what one determines as hate speech. I hate that. Hate speech, hate crimes, all of it. So, so um, who's going to be on the hate speech police? So even just setting aside the the, uh, constitutionality or unconstitutionality of maybe what's already going on in New York, as well as what Nikki Haley is saying. I don't want the government deeper into regulating the Internet than it already is. Regulating speech and thought in private interactions than it already is and has been that 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 is a red line for me and it should be for conservatives who want to live in a free society it sounds all well-meaning you know we're gonna take it to the keyboard warriors we're gonna know russian bots and you know what uh the russian the hundred thousand dollar russian facebook campaign and 2016 isn't what put Trump in the White House. Okay, you know, people can make their own determination. Stop trying to keep me safe from the untoward word or the fraudulent account, really. Uh, Because this is where it goes. What the Biden administration is already doing, thanks to Brendan Carr, who's an FCC commissioner. Raising this flag. This warning, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr uh, addressing the digital equity plan for all Internet services and infrastructure. Uh, Because the broadband policies are failing, Brendan Carr argues, and the cost of building Internet infrastructure in the country have skyrocketed. While the FCC has been looking to expand new 5G services, it is needlessly blocked delay and delayed new broadband infrastructure builds because of regulatory red tape. So now what Biden, the Biden administration is doing is blaming the private sector and free enterprise for the administration's policy shortfalls. Of course they are. And is pushing the FCC to adopt a one page section of the infrastructure act. You know, the one that was passed with 19 Republicans voting yes in the Senate. Uh, One page section of the Infrastructure Act. For the first time ever, says Brendan Carr, those rules would give the federal government a roving mandate to micromanage nearly every aspect of how the Internet functions, from how Internet services providers, Internet services providers allocate capital and where they build to the services that consumers can purchase from the profits that ISPs can realize and how they market and advertise services to the discounts and promotions that consumers can receive. Talk about central planning. If passed, the FCC would be empowered for the first time to regulate every ISP service termination terms, use of customer credit, account history, credit checks, account termination, and many other items. There is no path to complying with this standardless regime, said Carr. It reads like a planning document drawn up in the faculty lounge of the university's Soviet studies department. And Nikki Haley just wants to manage it her way. The federal government to manage it her way. That is uh, a difference in, in degree, not kind. I mean, this is a, 
this should be a throwdown issue for oh, Republicans. Yeah, and especially at the next debate, Ron DeSantis better bring it up. Greg and Schomburg. You just stole my thunder, Dan. While I was on hold, um, I was saying, this is great. When the government goes crypto or something that's digitally based and they can therefore um, control everything, they will know exactly who to go after. It's already happened in China. If you read anything about what's going on in China, there's groups of people that, you know, on any given day can have their entire lives turned around by the government's computer systems sitting or switching. They're in the society or they're out. A horrible idea. Thanks for the call, Greg. <laughs> Somebody tweet texted in. Uh, watch this. The moment Nikki Haley's 2024 presidential campaign campaign went down the toilet. Well, and, and also, too, I mean, we, we talked oh, about wow. this a bit uh, the other day. Um, these these middleware operators like NewsGuard, which we've talked about, which we don't know yet. I had this uh, conversation with Mike Benz, that former State Department official who, who founded the uh, Foundation for Freedom Online. So that'll be in a forthcoming uh, podcast of mine. Our discussion, but they're right now trying to figure out how they're going to use the middleware. Will the middleware be used on the uh, social media provider side and have, you know, former senior level intel officers and law enforcement officials that are part of these middleware companies like NewsGuard and others they stand up uh, setting the, the terms essentially of what you can see? From the provider side, from the social media provider side that they then impose or that it effectively is, is imposed because they're using they're choosing on the provider side to put the middleware into accessing the platform. And so that's a filter of information you see and don't see. Or will it be on the consumer side where they're going to give you the uh, impression of choice? without really disclosing what you're going to see and not see, because it'll all be couched in this sort of gobbledygook language of safety and protection and anti-hate and so forth. I mean, it's serious stuff. Uh, Mike and Hammond. Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call. Uh, everybody's got short memories. Uh, back in 2001, when 9-11 happened, they created the FISA court. And look what that's turned into with uh, the 2016 election. And and then yet the Republicans will not refuse to to, to terminate it. It's crazy. Thanks this for the, is going on the same road. Thanks for the call, Mike. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, oh, by the way, I mean, my question to Nikki Haley is um, so... Um, if you were around uh, in the run-up to uh, the American Revolution, if you were around in the 18th century, would you have uh, mandated the disclosure of uh, the authors of Cato's letters? I mean, founders who founders of this nation who operated under pseudonyms. No more pseudonyms. That's where you want to go. Just get, stay out of it. Stay out of it. Get out of it and get the government out of it. Verlon, Gary, Indiana. She's worse than Hillary Clinton. She's a war hawk, and she wants to use the heavy hand of the government to watch every American. This will be the Patriot Act to the 10th power. No, she can't get close to the White House. I'm sorry. Thanks for the call, Verlon. 
Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So, Chinese Communist Party dictator Xi Jinping meeting with Mr. 10% today. And then on to that uh, trade conference in San Francisco. The uh, streets of San Francisco. What is going on? Lined with uh, uh, Chinese Communist Party flags. And banners, yes. But I can't tell if that's just another day in San Francisco or if they're doing something special for Xi. Well, they took the tents away and, you know, people who defecated in the streets and picked up all the garbage for this big visit. Now they've been replaced with people waving happily Chinese flags. Uh, Simone Gao is a journalist and host of Zooming In with Simone Gao, current affairs program on YouTube. She joins us now. Simone, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. Um, our uh, friend of the show, one of our friends of the show, that would be Gordon Chang, has said America shouldn't even be participating in this. The president of the United States shouldn't even be participating in this because she uh, is and, and the Chinese Communist Party is not a legitimate regime. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I agree with um, uh, Gordon because uh, China's purpose is very clear. Uh, Xi Jinping, China's economy is in big trouble. It needs Western investment and technology. So every time China needs um, the Western support, it, it will change its attitude and say, you know, we're friends and we, we're no harm. Uh, we can still go back to the past and uh, why don't we work together and stuff. But this has repeated many times. And every time uh, China is back on its foot again, it changed. So the U.S. should learn its lesson and uh, should not let China have this opportunity and talk to hundreds of CEOs and try to, you know, broaden this relationship, not just with the government, but with uh, business as well. So it has, you know, it will gain power over the U.S. government. So I think um, this is this is not a smart move. Well, it needs uh, Western investment. I mean, the reports are that. uh... I mean, if you believe them, and that's, I guess, the question, that uh, the uh, uh, Chinese economy grew at twice the rate of the U.S. economy this year. Twice? (laughs) Wow. I don't know what report is that, but I have never heard that. China's economy is in big, big trouble. Even their own numbers are very bad. So, you know, the real estate has collapsed. Manufacturing export is collapsing. Local debt is mounting to the point that you can't even uh, pay, you know, the, the government workers. And youth unemployment ex- is extremely high and people refuse to buy, invest and even have children. So China has no other ways to get back on its food on its own. It badly need and it badly and urgently needs Western investment and technology. That's what I was going to ask you about the youth unemployment rate. Um, what do you think it's at and what source are you believing? Well, China said it's um, 10%, but nobody believes that. 
So, you know, we don't have the actual numbers, but some estimates says it's as high as 40%. And so um, what, if anything, should, um, well, not, not if anything, what should the president, President Biden, what should he be saying to President Xi, in your view? What, if anything, do you think is possible to extract from Xi? Um, I don't think he can extract much from Xi because Xi's main purpose is not Biden, it's those CEOs. So uh, Xi wants the Americans to say, we oppose Taiwan independence, uh, which Americans, uh, you know, which the Americans have said, no, we're going to stick to the official uh, stance, which is uh, we do not support Taiwan independence. Uh, so I, I don't think um, Xi Jinping can get much from uh, the Biden administration in that sense. But I think it just, you know, you, you got to know it's it's real intention is to engage and get investment and in technology from America. So I think, uh, but, you know, U.S. is a democracy, so you, you cannot stop CEOs to meet with Xi. I guess that's the problem. Well, I mean, should Biden... I mean, if you were advising Biden, even though you'd advise him not to go, but he's going. So here's what you should do. You should tell, for example, you should tell she, you know, um, we're going to ban TikTok uh, mm. or we're going to we're going to use the same version of we're going to allow the same version of TikTok here that you use in China, because we know there are two different versions. Um, we're going to expand investment restrictions on American yeah. portfolio investments, for example, um, you know, I, tell him the things that we're going to do in response to what we know are bad faith uh, uh, efforts underway by your regime. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. He should have said those things to Xi Jinping. And, and so, go ahead. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah. So the so Xi Jinping doesn't have a a, a big. You know, it, Xi Jinping needs this show to demonstrate to the people in China that I'm still in power. You know, um, the Americans treat me with respect and uh, people welcome me. Uh, the Americans don't realize this, but uh, it's extremely this show, this image is extremely important for Xi to sustain its authority position in China. And that's how he rules. If he can get the one point three, I mean, uh, now it's low before i mean uh low uh i mean it's now 1.3 billion people but if he if he can get the chinese people to support him he doesn't care about the foreign powers you know if i get my housing order i don't care if you, you if america doesn't like me so uh, i think uh well is there mm -hmm. is, is there any is there any um reason to believe that uh, she's uh, grip on power is loosening? Yeah, it is. There are a few signs. Um, first of all, if you look at China's economy, before P the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party's uh, policy um, arsenals uh, have been very, very effective. So, for example, the real estate, if the government issue certain policies, and it w I mean, if the government doesn't want the market to collapse, it has that power. Issues per 
certain policies and people buy, you know, people buy that, you know, we're going to, uh, the government is going to stimulate the market. Now it's a good time to invest. But now those policy arsenals are stopping to be effective. So no matter how much money the Chinese government uh, put in the system, people are stopped. People stopped buying, investing, and even have children. So that's one big sign that the Chinese Communist Party is uh, is losing power. It just the policy arsenals are ineffective. Another thing, <clears throat> another way is um, I think the extreme overhaul of military top leaders and all those, uh, you know, just 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 very shaky. Uh, overhauls, um, I think, kind of demonstrate that Xi Jinping's power is not as stable as people perceive. Because for dictators, uh, only they're in trouble. They they cannot control the situation. They they run on the killing spree. You know, people have been suspecting. You know how the former Chinese Premier Li Keqiang died since he was only 60, 65, 68. Um, years old, so that's very rare for a Chinese leader to to die at that young age. So people are suspecting these things, and I tend to agree that Xi Jinping's power has weakened um, since he gained the third term um, from last year, like the end of last year. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't be acting so crazy. Is there um, anticipation among the populace that uh, uh, of war with the United States? Is there a belief that she will move on Taiwan? What's your What's your sense of both uh, the regime's posture as well as uh, the people's understanding of its posture? Well, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has always demonstrating this position that we're going to attack Taiwan uh, very soon, you know, anytime we can attack Taiwan. But the thing is, um, I think Xi Jinping will try its, uh, try everything he can to achieve this uh, so-called unification with Taiwan without fighting. So using the, you know, uh, the so-called peaceful means to to make Taiwan capitulate. So that's his number one priority. Well, what, what that, would that look like? How is he going to use peaceful means to uh, get Taiwan to voluntarily give up its independence? Well, he can say, you know, you cannot depend on uh, America. America would not uh, protect you, but we, if we have to unify with you, but America will not protect you. So if uh, that happens, uh, Taiwan will be in war with China, which is disastrous for the Taiwanese people. And it's, uh, you know, Taiwanese uh, public opinion now is very much uh, leaning towards avoiding war, which is used by, utilized by the CCP heavily. So it's just put up this propaganda of, you know, uh, unless you capitulate, you unite with us, you're gonna be big trouble. And, uh, you know, you're going to be war and uh, the U.S. will not uh, protect you. And it, it also will try to help a pro-CCP um, party to win the next Taiwan presidential election. You know, in that way, that that party 
might be saying, you know, it's it's good if we unite with China. Simone Gao is a journalist and host of Zooming In with Simone Gao, a current affairs program on YouTube. Simone, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And she joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, uh, Dan and Amy. Um, sort of uh, taking a page out of Mark Wayne Mullen's book, this conversation between uh, Dana White, the founder of UFC, and um, this uh, podcaster, Theo Vaughn, who's uh, apparently quite popular. Okay. Sort of comedian, actor of sorts, I guess. Anyway, um, it's about, um, well... More people needing to stand up and tell people to go make love to themselves when they try to impose their will. Okay. It's going to be hard to discern some of this because there's so much bleeping required, but let's give it an effort. When you do a sponsorship deal with somebody, you have to look deep into who they are and, you know, who's running the company, who's making the decisions, and are you aligned? Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah, because we had Robert Kennedy Jr. on, and we had a company call or a couple companies call after that and say, yeah, just stuff about them. We're not advertising on this episode. My advertiser's like, you guys need to take the episode down, you know? And uh, and and we ended up. And what's put- wrong with him? Nothing. Nothing. Guy's fucking brilliant. And I've known Guy's him. Guy's a smart I've guy. known him for seven years. Great guy. Right. I mean, a neat man. Right. I, I've never met him. Yeah. I've only watched his stuff. And, and you got this whole Democrat, Republican, and all this crazy. Bull- He's a fucking Democrat. Yeah. Right. But now they hate him just because he doesn't believe like He's this. a Democrat with common sense. Right. Yeah. Right. He's like an old school Democrat. Yeah. And smart guy, whatever. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. This is America. You can fucking have whoever you want on your podcast. You can do. Whatever the f*** you want to do. Imagine a sponsor that's sponsoring you, calling you and telling you that you can't have this guy. What sponsor did it? Um, I, it? I, let me think. And I'm not afraid to name him. I don't know if I remember. I really don't. Right. I don't know if I believe you, but okay. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but I really don't know if I remember. <laughs> Imagine. And this happened to me, too. This, this happened to me. I posted a video for Trump. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. on my personal social media, and one of our big sponsors called and said, "Take that down." Oh my god! You know what I said? Go f- yourself. <laughs> yeah. You vote for whoever you want to vote for, and I'll vote for whoever I want to vote for. That's how this works. I don't even care who you're voting for. It's none of my f-ing business. Well, f- you. Yeah. Don't ever f-ing call me and tell me who to vote for. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people feel in fear these days. You know, a lot of people feel in fear that if they don't vote for certain people, they're going to lose their jobs. Yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood, for example. Think about how f- crazy that is. It sounds insane. It sounds yeah. just like. Well, it'll keep happening unless more people stand up for themselves yeah. and give them the f- you response. Give them the, F- the old F you uh, response. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, setting aside uh, Dana White's, uh, Dana White and Theo Vaughn's understanding of RFK and where he falls in the political spectrum and how sensible his views are on many matters. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I actually, I don't really understand why some of these podcasts are popular. It's not that interesting, but, um, 
But it was interesting enough to play on the show. Well, I mean, I you, mean know, you know, it's, uh, you know, a thousand flowers bloom. Some people uh, would rather hear from Dana White than um, G.K. Chesterton, I suppose. Any- anyway, um, they uh, Theo Vaughn remembered who the sponsor was. Okay, good. And that's how this went. Um, oh, Peloton was the... We just got an update. Um, it was Peloton, Peloton was the band was the per- people who wanted an ad out Peloton, and yeah. meanwhile you have RFK. So you, Peloton, yeah, what do they sell? F-ing bikes, the stationary bikes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Peloton sells stationary bikes, and they got a problem with Robert f-ing Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. You Peloton, what do we do? Who the f- are they? Yeah, and you can you know, kind of get a sense of where that's going, and uh, he's pulling all the Pelotons out of uh, the gyms at UFC. Or that's something. surprising because I had a Peloton, and I'll you Peloton, you do at home. And I'll, during this whole, you know, uh, George Floyd riots, they said we really hope that you're in a safe space right now. And then I canceled my membership and sold the bike. All right, coming up on Chicago's Morning Answer. Well, and you know why they did it, when they did it. I, I don't even know this, but I'm sure this was the case when RFK Jr. was wrongly accused of being anti-Semitic. Right. That's what the, and, and you know, weak-kneed companies. So, I mean, I you know. Peloton's I pre- failing, just like SoulCycle with their vaccine mandates to work out. They're failing. Keep I, it coming. I, Show I do, your wokeness. I, I do appreciate the sentiment and the, you know, hey, you know, you're crossing a line here. Back off uh, or Words to that effect from Dana White. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Remember the case of Charlie Gard out of the UK from a few years back? Charlie Gard, it was a toddler who yes. had a uh, rare condition, and the National Health Service in the UK decided that uh, treatment was no longer an option, that the best course of action in terms of Charlie Gard's quality of life, was to end his life. Right, I remember that. It was a horrible case. The parents uh, wanted to leave, wanted to take Charlie, wanted to take advantage of experimental techniques in places like the United States. Nope. Couldn't get their son out to go to another doctor. So he died at the hands of the British government. Uh, we have another case, eight-month-old Indy Gregory. Eight-month-old Indy Gregory died this week after her life support was withdrawn. She had um, a mitochond- uh, mitochondrial disease. The uh, doctors, the government-run health service in Britain, said her life support should be removed to allow her to die at a hospital or in hospice. But her parents, Dean and Claire, continued to fight for her to remain on life support, hoping that, again, experimental treatments may extend her life. The Italian government, Prime Minister Maloney, solicited permission for her to be treated at a children's hospital in Rome. Italian officials even granted citizenship to the baby amid the legal battle over her health care. But British doctors and the government-run health service said, that uh, the child was not aware of her surroundings, 
and was suffering and she should be allowed to die peacefully and the challenges brought by her parents and supported by, well, the Italian government, among others, rejected by British judges. Dean Gregory said this on the occasion of his daughter's death. Uh, Indy's life ended at 1.45 a.m. Claire and I are angry, heartbroken, and ashamed. The NHS, National Health Service, and the courts not only took away her chance to live a longer life, but they also took away Indy's dignity to pass away in the family home where she belonged. They did succeed in taking Indy's body and dignity, but they can never take her soul. They tried to get rid of Indy without anybody knowing, but we made sure she would be remembered forever. I knew she was special from the day she was born. Claire held her for her final breaths. What do you think? Because the uh, quality of life ethic that is reflected in how the British government makes these life and death decisions is uh, very much afoot in the United States. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Proponents of uh, government-run health care. Oh, big insurance companies deciding who should live and who should die. Well, uh, I'm not a fan of big insurance companies as a general rule because they operate like public utilities these days in part because of government regulation, uh, not in spite of it. And so the, the protection, the consolidation of industry, which is what big government wants. Remember, big government hates small business. They love big business. They love the rent seekers. They love to collaborate. They don't like pesky small businesses that uh, compete, move around, aren't rent seeking. But, um, who makes those decisions? Well, I mean, one of the answers, of course, is parents. And that's not the case in the UK. And speaking of what's afoot in the United States, parental authority, feel like that's being undermined in the United States. Not so far away, is it? Not just because we have so many, quote unquote, death with dignity laws, dozen states. Euthanasia. But also because of the laws passed in places like California that would strip parents of their children if, for example, they don't go along with a pre-adolescent who, say, is a girl and decided that she's a boy. And if you're not affirming, then uh, you're not retaining custody. That's the way California would have it. Wesley Smith has uh, been on the show many times. He is a... uh, uh, public intellectual bioethicist at the Discovery Institute writes a lot about this. Uh, He uh, gave this interview uh, six years ago uh, with the, after Charlie Gard had been killed by the British government. He wrote, what's unusual in this case is that Charlie's parents are not being allowed to transfer his care to other doctors in a different hospital or to, to take the child home, just like the Gregory's were not able to. It's very disturbing these parents are being deprived of fundamental rights. I understand that uh, in the UK the law is different. My understanding is that the best interests of the child are supposed to come first in every circumstance, particularly in the medical context. That gives doctors more power than our laws here in the United States. But when you have this kind of dispute about what's in the best interests of the baby, which is a subjective question, 
absent of finding that the parents are unsuited to make decisions, it seems to me they should have the right to make this kind of, uh, of decision about their own child. As the people most intimately involved with Charlie Gard and, his, uh, and as his parents, they should have the authority over the child, not the hospital and not the court. Well, that's not the law in the U.K., clearly. And increasingly, that is being challenged in the United States. The quality of life ethic, like the death with dignity, quality of life, death with dignity. These are watch phrases. More from Wesley Smith, the quality of life ethic, which is operative in the UK and again, increasingly, but not to the same extent here. The quality of life ethic turns medicine on its head because the quintessential purpose of medicine has been to keep people alive. Oh, right. I remember when that's what they want under the bioethics view, that may not be true. Indeed, in this case, the guard case, life itself is being declared a harm to Charlie because he's so ill. This is why we're beginning to see more cases involving injustices such as this. Well, welcome to the Indy Gregory case. Three, one, two, six, four, two, five, six, zero, zero turnkey. Pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line. Six, four, six, three, six type in DA. Then a quick comment. Who decides? That's the big question here. Frank and Tinley Park. Yes, uh, everybody's always disparaging President Trump. Didn't he pass the right to try law where if you're on your last legs, you get to try any experimental medicine? Yes, the right to try was signed by Trump. That's right. Thanks for the call, Frank. Text message, Dan and Amy, sounds like socialism to me. The incompetent doctors covered up by denying second opinions, killing the patients, and hiding behind the government. Nick, Northwest Side. Yeah, thank you. Hello, people. Uh, a few years ago in our country here, there's a, a child born to, I believe it was a Hispanic couple, and uh, the the child has some kind of a serious problem that the medical people involved with it and there was several extras that came in just to make sure but it was determined that there's medically hopeless to do anything so uh the parents demanded that they try some do some which is understandable but it it dragged down for two weeks this uh child uh, of course we don't know of suffering probably not because it was in our medication probably but and uh, i don't like to talk about costs and of course a person's life is not worth all the money in the world uh spend 500 trillion dollars you know uh and uh, of course that's going to be okay but no it's not okay uh, there's a point at which a decision has to be made and it was made here by the doctors but the the parents demanded and i think it's because of their minority status that uh, the people went along with it. But, um, and sometimes parents themselves are, are uh, educated or just experienced in a certain way. They say, no, the child is not well, and if it's hopeless, let's let it come to an end, and let's not drag it on, unless they have a lot of money of their own money. Uh, 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 who, who's call, it's, uh, yeah, okay. Whose call should it be? Very, very simple question. Parents. It should be the medical authority's call, really? first of all, to give really? the opinion. Oh, no. Really? Give the opinion. Well, I mean, I, they can give I'm an not, opinion. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, I not, think it's ultimately the parent's decision. Yeah, right. That whose call should it be? I understand opinions. Well, the the child cannot make the call because the child right. Would be, so who's next? The child is old enough to speak. So but in who's this case, next? It's a baby. Then it's the parents. Thank you. 
You get the opinion, but you always want a second, sometimes a third opinion, and it's the parent's decision. Well, again, um, why, why would you deny the parents the ability to take, in this case, the Indy Gregory case, the ability to take their child to Rome and, and uh, do some experimental. the experimental treatment that was being offered by doctors in Rome and apparently supported by the Italian government. Why? 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 I'll tell you why. Because the system is more important than your kid. Ah, there you go. It's, it's, it's like you, you see this over and over again. Don't undermine the system. The system is more important than your kid. You see it in CPS when it comes to education. Don't tell me about uh, this failing school or this lack of opportunity, uh, this school that uh, uh, produces kids that can't read and write. We got to protect the system. The system is first and foremost. So we're not going to let some children's hospital in Rome show us up in the UK. Undermines the system. We're not going to let parents decide because it's our decision. The government doctors. And if we do. It under if we do let the parents decide, it undermines the system. Robert Villa Park. Yeah, Dan, the slave master gets to decide who lives and dies. Yeah, right. As far as I could tell. Sounds like it sounds a lot like that to me. Thanks for the call, Robert. Mary Kay, Western Springs. Hi, good morning, you guys. Um, sorry, I missed you on Saturday. I wish I could have been there. Um, but, uh, you know, Jeannie Ives has that petition going around to get that question, a question put on the ballot about parents, you know, get, having legal consent yeah. for any pharmaceutical. Yeah, okay, so I'm out in the neighborhoods these days trying to get um, get those petitions signed, and that's what's important. The parents decide. And what you just said, Dan, just hit home with me. They, the system is more important than the family and the parents. And that's the whole problem in a nutshell. So uh, people out there, if any of you know me, and um, you can message me somehow, I'll get that petition to you to sign. And if you want to get on board with me, and we're trying to get a 1,000 signatures. How, how's, the, be able to, but, how's the reception uh, been so far? Oh, it's great because it's just getting the question on the ballot. That's all you have to say to somebody, you know, is we want the question on the ballot. It's not the decision yet. It's just a question on the ballot. So people on the right and the left are willing to do that, you know, if they're being sensible. Most of them are, you know. We have, yeah. we have some good people living around here, people who are sensible. They just don't get involved enough or talk enough about, um, you know, our values and are the right side, you know, and um, I just, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and she said, I, you know, she's an election judge and she's there all the time watching these people behave the way they do on the left. And um, she said to me, I don't want to get involved. And I said, yep, typical uh, Republican conservative response. I said, that's what we're trying to change. Thanks for the call, Mary Kay, parentsmatter.org. Real quick, it's amazing, Dan and Amy, that people trust the government with life and death decisions. They're looking out for you, right? Yeah. Carolyn Moments. Hi. I was uh, wondering what happened to fee-for-service. I mean, I can see where insurance companies have to set limits on what they will cover 
and they should put that out front in black and white, and then procedures that are not covered but are available fee for service. Well, okay, fine, Carol, but it's, it's uh, single payer in the U.K., so they couldn't even get their kid back to, right. you know, to, to, to make a decision, right? That's the whole point. You don't get to have your child back because we're afraid hey, you may run off to Rome with her. Our call. Kevin, Austin, Texas. Yeah, I want a couple things I want to say. First off, government will, will take away your decision unless it's to abort your baby or to kill yourself. And then the other thing I want to mention is government works for those people that show up. Not enough conservatives are going to show up in Illinois. And I know it's already here. I'm, I'm down in Texas, but I'm in a 50, uh, 50 uh, precinct myself, and it's starting to move blue. The blue is putting a lot of money in here to try to flip Texas. And I'm afraid it's going to happen in Texas, even though I ran away from it. So I want to encourage people in Illinois to get involved. Conservatives need to get involved. Government works for those people that show up. Thanks, Kevin. It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.